Thank you, God. I just want to actually start by reading a psalm. This was a psalm that we read together in our devotions this this morning um, as staff. And it just really resonated with me. And I just thought I would share it again. This is Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains shall be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I just pray this evening that... um, there would just be a fresh sense of the refuge and the place of um, protection, that he is our fortress. I think the thing that struck out to me this, 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 this morning was this absolute certainty that our God will be exalted amongst the nations. It doesn't matter what our eyes see and what seems to be happening around us and how distant from what we imagine his kingdom to look like, the things surrounding us in this world may look. There's no, I may be, it's I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, that our God is on the throne. And uh, I just found such, um, not just comfort, but an emboldening this morning as we read that. And so I just wanted to share that with you um, this evening, just... uh, um, even for you to encourage you to, if that's something that's resonating with you, to meditate on that psalm, Psalm 46, and just spend some time letting the Holy Spirit, um, as only he can do, let those words jump off the page to you and just um, implant in your hearts in a fresh way um, this evening. So thank you, Ali. Kat, did you press record? Because I forgot to come back. And oh, you you are awesome. Is yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it. Does. I'm sure it has. You are fantastic. Thank you. I'm going to stand down here today because I don't want to be so far away. If you want to shuffle forward, you're welcome to. I'm not going to force you to do that. But um, Well, welcome this evening. It's lovely to have you here. And um, I've got um, just one little reminder. Um, I know that many of you have already registered and are joining us on Friday and Saturday, but it's not too late if um, you wanted to join with a, um, 
some of us who have registered for Colour Conference online this year, but we're going to gather here at church on Friday evening and again on Saturday afternoon um, to watch some of the sessions together that we'll live stream, I hope, technology willing, Lord. Um, um, together and um, so we're meeting here on Friday evening from 7.15. The official program doesn't kick off till 8 o'clock um, so it's a slightly later night but um, I think it'll be a great time to be able to be together in one place and experiencing that together. So it, it's not too late. I've got um, little flyers out both near tea and coffee and out in the foyer um, with the details of how you would register directly with Hillsong for that if you wanted to still join us for that. Um, so this evening we're continuing our exploration of living a life of wisdom or a life of wisdom as um, God's women and looking at that through the lens of Proverbs. I mean, the, there are many places that we could um, seek to flesh out um, what it means to live a life of wisdom. Um, but we are um, in the book of Proverbs uh, for this year. And uh, last month we took a bit more of an overview of Proverbs, just trying to give you a little bit of a sense of the structure of the book and how we are to approach it um, as a piece of wisdom literature. Um, all the amazing um, wisdom that is contained in it um, but just the understanding of how to approach um, Proverbs um, as, as it's intended to be approached. So if you didn't catch up on that, I am trying to record each of our sessions again this year. Um, and so they um, are accessed through the Vision Women page on the website for Vision. So you can go back and have a listen to those if you want to. Um, again, technology willing. I'm not very technology literate, but I'm learning. So, um, so we we did a bit of an overview of proverbs, and then we talked just at the end about um, the practice of silence and solitude, and making room for um, God in our lives, and being more attentive to His voice, and that that is part of growing in wisdom is kind of silencing all the other noise around with um, the ability then to tune into him. So in future months, I definitely want to dip into some of the nuggets that are a bit more kind of practical life application. Um, I'm absolutely positive we will deal with relationships. Um, I have a feeling we'll probably have a look one month at... Um, our mouth and all the things in terms of our speech and how we're to conduct ourselves because Proverbs has a fair bit to say about that. Um, but this evening I just had felt to again look a little bit more generally at um, a theme that is very strongly lim linked um, particularly in the first nine chapters of Proverbs um, with wisdom and um, uh, and how that then applies to our life. So I'm going to read um, from Proverbs 3, if you have your Bibles here. I don't like that I'm quite so next to the step. Here we are. Um, so what I'm going to read first is Proverbs 3, 1 to 8, and then we're going to skip over to Proverbs 4. 
So it says this, much of which will be quite familiar to us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favour and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. <clears throat> we'll leave it there. And then Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far away from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then in all your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left um, or, to, um, or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. As we discussed last time, the first nine chapters of Proverbs contain these conversations between a father and his son, or probably more accurately, their monologues, because we never actually hear from the son at all. Um, but he repeatedly implores his son to pay attention to and remember and keep his words and commandments. Um, the father goes on to again repeat this and we've heard this in both the passages I've read. He says to his son, bind them on your heart, tie them round your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, let your heart hold fast to my word, keep your heart with all vigilance when you walk and when you lie down. So every part of your day, make sure you're holding fast to my word. Um, and so to the reader or the hearer of the book of Proverbs, these phrases would have triggered um, or echoed an association with a much more ancient instruction that was given through Moses in um, Deuteronomy. And um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we'll turn there, um, if I can manage to get my page I'll throw that there um, we'll we'll turn there and I'll just skim through it I would love to get into more depth in this but we probably will I would keep you way too long but in Deuteronomy 6 as a starting point um, Moses um, is giving these instructions to the children of Israel and he says "Hear, O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as um, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." 
And then he repeats a very similar thing again in Deuteronomy 11, um, verses 16 to 23, if you want to look that up later. Again, just that concept of take my words, tie them to you, um, just this phrasing that's repeated over and over again. And so it is, there is too much to go into depth with that this evening. But I guess what I want to do is to draw your attention to this link of similarities between the passages in Deuteronomy and Proverbs in terms of um, the imploring of God's people to pay attention to his word and to keep his commandments in every aspect of life, whether when you're and to teach them to your children that they should just ever be before you. And, I mean, we read through Deuteronomy this account of just how difficult it was to shape and transform the hearts and minds of this group of people, the children of Israel. God had obviously delivered them out of Egypt, um, but this was still a generation of people who had 400 years worth of slavery thinking in their minds and in their hearts. Um, and in, in Deuteronomy, just a little bit further than we read in chapter 11 there, God goes on to warn them. He says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land and you need to be really careful not to forget me because I don't want you going after the gods of the other people who are in that promised land. I want you to remember the commandments, the words that I've spoken to you. And I was thinking about it today, but... Um, I feel like um, in one sense it was almost God's kindness that kept them 40 years in the wilderness because it at least gave him some opportunity to deal with some of the things that were in their hearts and minds and literally there was a generation change um, because as you would know, they were really um, they, 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 that, that initial generation who were delivered out of Egypt. Really there were very few of them who made it into the promised land. And, um, you know, God needed to deal with that because they were about to start mingling with other nations um, as they started to drive out people in the promised land. And you'll go, we go on to read that that didn't always end up very successfully. And then they ended up um, allowing the gods of the people who were in the land that they came to occupy. They started to mingle with them. Um, they were told at times really harsh things that can be quite hard for us to read about. You need to drive them out and you need to leave no one alive and you, you need to get rid of all their stuff. But it was, you know, that God had... He, God talks about how I'm a jealous God. I don't want to share you with, with anybody and I don't want this myriad of worldviews and religions and idols that surround you to take over the things that, from the things that I have taught you. So in Proverbs, the father phrases this potential for distraction and being pulled off course quite differently. He refers to it um, by talking about adultery and harlots. And now obviously the sexual sin of adultery is something that God warns his people about over and over again in scripture through the, um, the Old and the New Testament. And many of the, the um, commentaries that I read about Proverbs certainly focused on that. And there's a lot in the New Testament that talks about 
particularly sexual sin when we're sinning against our body like it's it, it has such a hold on us I guess what I wanted to do this evening was challenge us to look with a slightly broader framework to what the father's saying than just specifically the sin of adultery because adultery what adultery basically means is to be wooed by another to break covenant and to find intimacy elsewhere and you'll find throughout scripture that the wanderings of God's people away from him is often referred to as adultery, harlotry and unfaithfulness. And that's both in the Old and the New Testament. And so it's that broader view of um, that I want to consider tonight. You know, what does it mean to have... Um, What's the father warning his son about? So he, he keeps talking to his son about listen to, hang on to the word, don't lose sight of it, tether your life to these words and the wisdoms of, uh, wisdom of the father, protect and guard your heart from being lured away by these other beliefs, the idols, the evil and foolishness that surrounds him in the world. So it's exactly the same um, message that's coming through from God to his people in Deuteronomy and it's in fact exactly the same exhortation and warning that's echoed throughout the words and the teaching of Jesus and the early church that link between how closely we hold to um, and interact with the word of God and how that plays out in um, our ability to guard and protect our hearts and our minds. So I've just got a few scriptures from the New Testament. Again, I would encourage you to go digging for this yourselves. But this is just, um, there's, there's lots in there. But, you know, Jesus says in John 14, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear from me is not mine, but the father who sent me. You know, all the way through Proverbs, it's this father talking to his son. You know, listen to my words. It's that same echoing. And Jesus regularly, didn't he, would say, well, I'm, I'm about my father's business. I'm listening to what my father's saying. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, um, again, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then Philippians 2, verses 15 and 16. Um, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So again, that sense that you're in the world, there are things going on around you, among, but among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud, this is Paul talking to the Philippians, that I did not run in or labour in vain. But just that, again, that link between being in the world but shining as lights and how important holding fast to the word is for that to play out in our lives. Colossians 3 
her. She says, I think it's verse 16, um, says this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then Hebrews 4.12, which says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and the, to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is not really any other point in history, and I think we talked about this a bit last time in terms of the need to just get quiet sometimes. And I guess... It's, a, it's the same side, the, 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 the other side of the same coin really in that as well as the need to silence, we need to watch what we are feeding on, what we're filling our minds with, what, um, you know, what, what we're encouraging our hearts with. And we are absolutely bombarded with um, opinions, information, misinformation, Repeating narratives, ideologies, um, um, reasonings that all clamour for our attention in a way that I don't think any other point in history has. And that is absolutely the case for the young generation. They are, I mean, we have all, all of us, no matter how old we are, have faced difficult things um, if we were living as Christ followers, as young people. But there is... There has never been a time in history where young people have been as bombarded with the ideologies and um, thoughts of the world as they are in this generation now. And so it can be incredibly hard to know what or who to believe. And quite honestly, I don't know if you find this, but in my life there are ideologies and rhetoric around that kind of on the surface sort of sound okay. Like from a distance it sounds kind of all right and maybe just enough of a twist of truth in it to miss um, that it's subtly totally different to what the kingdom says. Um, you know, where basically we end up self-determining our own truth and assessing our own thoughts and feelings based on our own ideas of good and evil rather than, in fact, what the Word says. And, I mean, that's one of the difficulties about the, the I guess, the world we live in now that says, well, you do you and, you know, you, what you feel is fine, is that that all assumes that we have capacity to decide what's good for us or what's good for other people. Well, how do you do that unless you have an absolute knowledge of what's good and what's evil? Like, it's, then it becomes completely arbitrary as to how you actually can assess that. And so I, I think that worldly arguments and reasonings can sneak into our thinking as believers before we even realise it. And, um, and then that distances us from the truth of God. Um, and so I guess my question to myself as much as to you is, how do we identify false beliefs and ideologies if we are not surrounding ourselves, feeding on, binding round our neck and writing it on our heart to use the, uh, the terminology in the Old Testament when we're not feeding on the word of truth daily in our own lives? Like by what standard are we going to measure things if it's not by his absolute truth and word? 
And repeatedly, this is what the father figure in Proverbs is saying, listen to my words, keep my commands, get wisdom, get insight. And so I guess where this for me links back to our theme this year of living a life of wisdom is how can we possibly walk in wisdom daily if we are not daily in the word of truth, in his word? I heard two quotes this past week that I really found quite sobering. The first one was this. This um, commentator was saying, much of modern Western Christianity runs the risk of being ashamed of the sharp-edged, scandalous message of the kingdom and the cross. And this is what Jesus had to say in Mark 8. He said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I mean, let's be honest, there are really very hard things at times in Scripture. It's not all, not all of it's easy and palatable. Some of it is really hard to work out how you would even um, share some of the truths that we read with people who don't know God in both his holiness and his goodness. Like, it can be really hard. I was talking to a friend this week and she'd been having a conversation with her mum on the phone um, and her mum in her church is uh, studying the Gospel of Mark. And this friend of mine's mum said to her, I don't like Mark's Gospel. Jesus just doesn't seem very Jesus-y. I don't know whether she just read the bit where he'd cursed the fig tree or thrown out people from from the temple, but, you know... I mean, the problem is sometimes Jesus doesn't seem very Jesus-y if we have kind of not spent enough time reminding ourselves of the entirety of who he is. And um, I I love the phrase, I was reminded of this again recently. Um, I don't know if you've ever read um, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, but there's a point at which um, Lucy asks, well, is he a tame lion about Aslan? Oh, no, he's not a tame lion. He's a wild lion. And and so, um, you know, we are not to be ashamed of even some of the parts of Scripture and even some of Jesus' actions at times where we think, oh, that seemed a bit rude or that was a bit harsh or, um, you know, we are, and, and it's fine to wrestle with. I think it's fine. I loved what Andrew was saying on Sunday about, you know, there are times where we can just categorically say, God is sovereign, he's going to work it out. And other times where we need to wrestle that through, that there's a process. And I think that we should um, come to scripture with the intent that sometimes we have to let God wrestle that through with us. You know, there were points in my journey where I would just prefer to skip over chunks of scripture because I just didn't know how to place it. But the wrestling through, the keeping coming back to it, it's worth the wrestle, even with the parts that make us feel really uncomfortable. Because there is no wisdom without the word of God in your life. There just isn't. The other quote that I heard this week, and this applies to really the young generation that we have coming through now, is this. It says, we are raising a biblically illiterate generation. What we see now in the church, not just outside her, 
is what's happen is what happens when we hand over the value system of an entire generation to the culture they are surrounded by rather than the culture of the kingdom. And I mean, we have lots of amazing um, Christian podcasts. And I mean, I heard quite a startling fact recently about um, younger generation Christians where most of their content will come off things like Instagram and things like that. And of the content that they look at on Instagram, there's like 10% of it that will be Christian and they don't ever open their Bible. So, I mean, but then I don't even want to say, well, that about, well, them, then they're missing out. Like, do I do that? Like, am I in the Word? Am I steeped deeply in the Word? Am I allowing the Word of God to wash over me and change me and um, to challenge me? You see, we, we are not meant to be conformed to this world. The, um, Romans 12 says that we are not to be conformed to this world. We are meant to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And one aspect of the renewing of our mind comes through reading his word. So I guess a question that I've been asking myself um, is, have I allowed my thinking and my imagination to be at times more aligned with the world than God's word? Um, and I find that's challenging in my life. Like there are things that I find really difficult to n- know how to balance well. You may find the same. You know, aspects of living life where we are to be in the world but not of it. We're not meant to all go off and button down the hatches in some remote property just surrounded by other believers. We are meant to be in the world but not of it, it says. So what does that look like? How do you do that? And part of the, um, I mean, obviously being being with like-minded believers is important, but part of that is being in his word and being familiar with his word. So this daily practice of reading scripture is really how we allow God's word, the words of Jesus, the words of truth and life to abide in us. And that is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, Further on in um, John 14, Jesus says that. He says this, he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And he says he'll bring to remembrance for you my words. Like he will help you understand this. So we are to come to scripture with the understanding that it's living and active and that the Holy Spirit can breathe life on on it and help us to wrestle through it and to bring understanding to us and then once it's in us to also bring it to our remembrance um, when we need to be reminded. And so tonight I'm not wanting to run through, I, I have done in the past, run through how we interact with scripture and what that might look like. I guess what I'm really, what I would love for us to do this evening is just to spend a bit of time in some smaller groups, encouraging one another with what does it look like in your life um, ha, ha, to interact with scripture on a daily basis, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, um, and just encourage each other that way. I mean, you know, we're all here this evening are people who've known Jesus a 
a fairly good portion of our life. Um, I'm absolutely, if you w- want to have more of a practical how can I do this kind of conversation, I'm absolutely happy to have that with you. But there is a wealth of wisdom and experience in the room from, from everyone here of getting into the word of God, making that a daily practice in your life, not from the perspective of... Um, I, I felt challenged to in sharing a message like this this evening because um, I think sometimes... It, it, spiritual disciplines and practices can sound like a whole bunch of shoulds and just kind of loading people up with guilty consciences about well I I should be in the word more and that is not my heart and it's definitely not the heart of God but I do want us to feel a bit uncomfortable I felt quite uncomfortable thinking about my waxing and waning with my own walk with God and my interaction with the word and um, how quickly I get distracted from good habits in that. Like I don't think there's any such thing. Well, maybe there are. Maybe there are some super disciplined people who establish that practice and it just is throughout their their whole lifetime. I've found that I establish some practice and it works well for that season and then it gets bumped out by a change in season and then I suddenly realise, oh gosh, um, you know, I'm not in the word. But I think the thing that's probably challenged me the most, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail. Andrew referred a little bit to this on um, the weekend. But I think there are times in your Christian walk where you realise that um, how much different to the culture around us we are. And, and often when things come up that really challenge a biblical worldview it makes me want to be really sure that I know what God says about things and that I'm not making it up for myself based on even a compassionate heart or a a sense of what I think justice might look like. Um, I think that's when we can get swayed around a little bit. We get buffeted a little bit more. I, I want to be a woman who's really clear on what God's truth is Um even actually if it makes me feel uncomfortable. Because um, I, I don't like standing out very much. I don't really much like kind of feeling like I'm going against the grain and against the flow. But the reality is as God's people, we will go against the flow of the world. Like we are different. We're meant to be different. And so I think my challenge to you this evening, I don't want to come across like I'm talking from the point of view of um, we must all be um, should, should, should about this. But I do want you to be challenged about, do you know what God says about various things? Are there areas in your life where things have just kind of recalibrated a little bit too much to what the world says about something rather than what God says about something? And how do you go about that? And so that we can encourage each other in that. Um, and starting, that's, that would be my only other thing that I would want to say to you before we break into groups is, you know, start with realistic things. Like, you know, there are going to be some people who get time to read for hours in God's word every day and some people for whom it is, it's a win to have five minutes quietly to be able to sit and read the next chapter of the 
um, book that you're working your way through or that you have it on audio while you're driving to work or, you know, but find ways to get to continue interacting with God's word in a way that's realistic. But what I'm hoping is we can share with one another some wisdom that we've learnt, struggles we have, even the ability to pray with one another about that and to come perhaps with a fresh perspective and hope, always remembering to invite the Holy Spirit to um, enliven the word to us and um, speak to us. Um, I want to actually, just as we finish, I'm just going to read to you Proverbs 3 again, as I feel like it I found that once I'd thought about these things, some of the things contained in there spoke more to me. My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let my let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favour and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The word of God, it directs us. The word of God protects us. And the word of God perfects us. And there is no such thing as wisdom in God's kingdom without the word of God in your life.